welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. All right, well, good morning, church. Morning, man. It's good to see you guys today, have you in the house of the Lord. Uh, if it's your first time here, I'd like to say a special welcome. Uh, my name's Buck, and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Connection, where everything we do uh, is centered on connecting people to a growing relationship with Jesus. And with that being said, man, we have calls for celebration. Uh, last Sunday was incredible. Uh, we saw three people be baptized, and man, three people in the service said yes to Jesus. Man, we can go ahead and say thank you. To God, man, last Sunday was so powerful. Um, and so as we turn the page, uh, we are back in our series called A Greater Story. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open those up uh, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is where we will be uh, today. And to really quickly recap um, what A Greater Story is all about uh, is we have been walking through stories in the Bible. Really, I think this week is, is some, we're somewhere in the 20s, uh, but we have devoted 40 messages starting back at the end of last Easter, uh, walking through the Bible and really showing how everything points to Jesus. Every story in every way is pointing uh, to this climax in the greater story of the Bible, uh, which is Jesus Christ coming out of heaven to earth uh, to die in our place on the cross for our sin. And this is really the, the climax, what the Bible is all about. And so maybe if you have started a reading plan this year, you're like, man, I, I think I want to read the Bible this year, but it's so intimidating. I don't know how to read it, what it's about. I would encourage you to go back and start uh, and really listen to our series of greater stories. We've really been sharing what it means and what you're really looking for uh, in the Bible and what it's all about, okay? But today, uh, we're gonna be turning our attention to Jesus's teaching on prayer. So let's go ahead and read uh, Matthew chapter six, starting in verse number five, and this is what it says. And Jesus said, it says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. When your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Verse 16. When you fast, do not, look, uh, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret reward you. Church, let's pray together as we dive in. 
Uh, God, we love you. Man, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for the opportunity to gather today. Uh, Lord, we, we just say thank you that we can come into the body of Christ. God, we can be with uh, your people and hear your word, sing songs to your name. God, we thank you for the opportunity uh, today to study and learn your word. Uh, God, I pray in this time, uh, Holy Spirit, would you lead me as uh, I proclaim your word? Uh, God, I pray it would go forth in power. And Lord, I just have this sense today, uh, God, I pray that we would be open to receive what you want to say. God, for those that are in bondage spiritually, I pray that you would uh, set them free. And Lord, that you would teach us uh, in your word. God, meet us where you are, where we are. And God, would you use this time well, God. I need you. I trust you. Holy Spirit, lead this time in your name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be talking about prayer. And so uh, I want to start out talking about uh, really an incredible individual uh, that, that lived many years ago, a guy by the name of George Mueller, okay? And so George Mueller was born uh, in September of 1805, and he was a Christian evangelist and the director of the Ashley Down Orphanage in Bristol, England, okay? And so if you're looking for a great read or a great biography, um, I want to go ahead and encourage you, George Mueller uh, would be an incredible one. During his lifetime, he cared for 10,000 24 orphans, okay, during his lifetime, and provided educational opportunities for orphans to the point that he was even accused by some of raising the poor above their natural station in British life. Man, wasn't that awesome? Uh, and so uh, I want to talk a little bit about an excerpt from his life. And so George Mueller, it says, Night was falling over the harbor of Bristol, England. And in the orphanage founded by George Mueller and his wife Mary, the children were getting ready for bed. George was working in his study when Mary arrived with alarming news. We're out of milk, she said. There isn't enough for the morning oatmeal. So could you imagine, let's pause for a second, okay? Um, uh, building this orphanage and literally the next day, you don't know what anyone's gonna eat, okay? And this is multiple, multiple children taking care of people. I, I know how tough it is for the five, six mouths I gotta feed, right? And so they don't have anything. And it says, uh, George, um, he slowly laid aside his pen and had a look of calmness. This was not the first time that they had faced a critical situation without any money to buy food or other supplies. The pastor rose from his desk and reached for his wife's hand. Mary, he said, let us pray. Two orphanage employees joined them and together they made their humble yet necessary request to God as innocent children were depending on them for sustenance. George declared, be assured, telling everyone in the room, if you walk with him, if you look to him and expect help from him, he will never fail you. A short time had passed and there was, a hurt, there was heard a knock at the door. Mary hurried to answer, returning to the study a moment later. She handed her husband an envelope. It's a letter, George. Hurry up and open it. Enclosed in the letter was a sum of money more than enough for their immediate needs. At the beginning of his ministry, Mueller was in the secret time of prayer. And in one night, while praying and seeking the Lord, he heard a voice say, the Spirit, this voice, the Spirit of God say, open thy mouth wide and I will feel it. And see, he lived his life. He said, I simply believed that God was encouraging me to depend on him for everything I would ever need on the journey he had called me to. You see, these were all throughout Mueller's biography. This was a day-to-day -day thing leaning on God to provide for him. And as he cared for 10,000 uh, orphans, okay, he wound up building five children's homes. And at the end of his life, these homes and the ministry was worth 
$14 million in today's currency, and I want you to lean in. He asked man for not one cent. And so I want to talk about the title of the message today. I want you guys to take this with you. The title of the message is The Best Kept Secret. The Best Kept Secret. And what we see in George Mueller's life, the secret to his success in ministry, the secret to him walking in faith. Many of us maybe come in today as we get ready to talk about a prayer life and and that we maybe want to know how to cultivate a prayer life. Maybe yours is a lot like mine for a lot of my life of laying my head on the pillow, uh, beginning to try and pray through scattered thoughts and falling asleep. As we begin to maybe come in and Think about what a solid prayer life looks like. Listen, the secret to his success was his devotion to prayer in secret. Hear that again. The secret to his success was his devotion to prayer done in secret. And so we're going to see Jesus' recipe as we as a church are in 21 days. We're a weekend uh, to a season of fasting and prayer. And God in his providence, I didn't plan this a year ago, but guess what? In the Jesus Storybook Bible, in our series, A Greater Story, today we're going to be talking all about how to pray and fast, right? And so I, I think about it and I, I think about fasting and praying and of like, why does God want us to do that? Like, why is fasting and prayer so important? Why is it powerful? But why, why would you ask our church to fast uh, and to pray? And I want to give you an example of what God's just taught me this week. I was meeting with our staff this morning in prayer, and it's really cool. It's almost like God gives us the same Holy Spirit, right? Uh, and we were just sharing a lot of our experiences so far through this time of fasting and praying. And really, to me, one of the greatest benefits of seeking God in prayer in seasons of fasting is it brings clarity to hear from God, right? It's almost like, um, it's almost like when you get crummy reception on your phone, and then when you finally come into a city, what happens? Y'all seen it. That LTE goes up to five bars. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And really, in my life, I believe that's what God wants us to do, man, is get into the posture where we're not so distracted that we hear 20% of what he wants to show us, but we're in the posture, we get the 100% of what he's trying to say. Man, that's a sweet place to be in. And that's what he wants to do when we seek him in prayer is that we get to commune and dine with him. So uh, let's look at what Jesus says of the how-to to to do it. So our passage picks up um, in what's called the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' most famous sermon, okay? And what he's doing is he is sharing and teaching on what the kingdom of God is like and how to be kingdom people. Many of the the starts of his, his, uh, his different parts of his message, he says, hey, you guys have heard it said, but then he says, but I tell you blank. And what he's doing is he is teaching with authority. And they're blown away because they're like, hey, this guy don't teach like, like the Pharisees. Like they're sharing these words and they're giving these rules, but Jesus is teaching with authority, like a supernatural authority. There's, there's something about his message uh, that is real and authentic and they, they know it's right. And so we're picking up in verse five and what he's teaching us uh, is how to pray and how to fast. But before we do that, I want to point out a couple things real quick. We have to see one, the wrong way to pray and fast, right? As we really talk about the best kept secret, which is a secret life of prayer, a strong prayer life, let's talk about, first of all, what not to do. So look with me what he says about the Pharisees in verse five. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, 
For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and go to the street corners to be seen by others. You can highlight that, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in in full. Verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father uh, and, and then uh, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you, right? And so three things, what does he say? What is he showing us here? Uh, number one is don't pray to be seen. Don't pray to, uh, to be seen by others. That's not the heart posture of prayer. How many of you guys can remember, man, think back, I'm going back to my Sunday school days. Anybody ever been petrified of being called on to pray in the gathering, right? Can we just be honest? You're really whispering, don't call on me, don't call on me, don't call on me, right? And I remember going to Sunday school class as a kid, and I would walk in, and, and, uh, and, 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 and Joe had been in Sunday school every week for every day of his life, right? Like, he gets called on, and my man just rolls out this poetry to God. You know what I'm saying? It's just beautiful. I mean, he's, he's hitting, I'm not even good, alliteration? Is that, I don't know, that's a literary term, right? Yeah? I mean, he's hitting this beautiful prayer, and I'm thinking, brother, I hope I don't have to follow that up, Right? But listen, what we see is this is not the heart posture of what God wants for his people. He says, no, don't pray out loud to be seen by others. Now let's go on down in verse 7. It says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. Man, you ever been in a prayer meeting where you think, man, brother, I, that cat must think he's eventually going to get God's ear because he won't quit, right? It just keeps on rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling. You're thinking, brother, man, okay. He says, no, this is not the heart posture. So we don't pray to be seen. We don't pray too long and then take this with you. Don't pray to impress. Don't pray to impress, right? That's not what it's about. It's not about how spiritual we can appear to other people. Or, or maybe like in, in some of my circles, sometimes when I'm with other pastors, like I can tell like some folks are trying to flex spiritual muscles, Right? of like who, who's kind of got some spiritual strength. This is not the heart posture God wants for us when it comes to prayer. Listen, if you're listening for prayer or maybe listening to your own prayer, take this with you. Don't focus on the vocabulary in a prayer. Focus on the heart in a prayer, all right? Don't focus on the vocabulary, but focus on the heart of a prayer because here's the end of the day. Uh, God wants your heart. This is the focal point of prayer. Man, he wants and desires to be close to you, okay? So as we get rolling here, I want to ask you a couple questions. I want to ask yourself, um, one, where am I praying most? Is it publicly or privately, right? Secondly, you can take this with you. Why am I praying, right? What is the focal point? Is it a checklist, a to-do, or is the heartbeat of, man, I desire to hear from God and I want to speak to my Father? And then lastly, what's the heart behind the prayer, What's the heart posture? So as we begin to see the wrong ways, maybe some, uh, maybe you need to kind of hear that of like, okay, um, I, I, it doesn't mean something's wrong if I don't necessarily fear, su- feel super confident that I can pray an awesome prayer in public. Right? The starting point starts in the, the prayer time, the secret place with God. And so now take this with you. Let's talk about the right way to pray and fast, all right? The right way to pray and fast. So I, I wanna bring something uh, to light here, okay? And, and give you really a secret. If you see someone in your life that man is solid in their faith, God is bearing good fruit around them. Right? They, they are strong. Man, that God's doing a good work in them. 
If you see a church that God's doing a, a good work, and man, you just know when you show up, there's this spiritual like presence, and God's doing uh, an awesome thing, and people are getting saved. I want you to know something, okay? You're seeing the byproduct of men, many men and women who have been faithful in prayer. All you're seeing is the, the, really the, the seriousness and the product of people who have sought the Lord to come and move in power. You know, I think about it all, all the time of, of what Jesus says is that, man, he wants us to pray in secret. And, and I've learned this from uh, my father-in-law, a, a guy who I continue to consider a, a hero of the faith. Um, he is a faithful man, works a nine-to-five job at a hospital, uh, and, and man, really was the first man that ever came into my life that, that uh, I, I began to see like this spiritual hunger in the home. And uh, the first time I saw like strong, like spiritual Bible studies in the home. And what I've learned about his life of, of really there's nothing super uh, exciting or imposing about him. But man, I'm going to tell you, man, he spends that time in that study and there's a quiet strength about him that is unshakable. And every morning, man, he is studying the word of God. He is praying and in his life and through his children, God has borne much, much fruit. Tons of fruit because he has been faithful in the prayer closet, all right? And so, listen, when, when the, the stuff's going on and God's working in power, I'm telling you, it's a result of people that have been on their knees in prayer. I'm reminded of this. Everybody know the great evangelist, Billy Graham. I want to tell you a story real quick. Of uh, There was a, a, a group going on a tour, and they were touring John Wesley's home. If you are not familiar with John Wesley, uh, he was a part of one of the great awakenings in our country. Uh, just an unbelievable leader, started uh, the Methodist church movement. And, uh, and so this tour is going through John Wesley's house. And, and in his study were two carved out, um, basically looked like where two knees had been, that he had prayed so much in his prayer room that the, the floor was sunk in in two spots, <laughs> His knee had literally worn in two holes. And so they were checking all this stuff and going on the tour, and that was really awesome. Well, they found out there was one of the guys that were missing. And they kept looking through the house, like, oh my gosh, like we've lost this young man. And so they go back into John Wesley's study, and there's a young man that has his knees exactly in the holes that were, that were, that were rubbed out and, and, and worn down, getting ready for the first great awakening of our country, Right? And there was a young man with his knees in him, and they picked him up, and they said, Billy, it's time to go. And when he walked up to young Billy Graham, who was the young man on his knees, he said, Lord, would you do it again? As a young man. And we see him being one of the greatest evangelists our country has ever known. Samuel Chadwick said something about prayer when we pray in secret, when we commit to building strong prayer lives. He says, the one concern of the devil is to keep the saints from prayer. Our enemy fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Prayer turns ordinary mortals into men of power. Prayer brings fire, it brings rain, it brings life, it brings God. There is no power like that of prevailing prayer. That's a good word, right? That's a good word. I think about it like this. You know, anytime I go back to my wrestling days of, of any great uh, champion, right? 
any great champion that is raised, we, we've got the state championship in wrestling just a few weeks away, any champion that, that goes into the ring and wins a championship and gets his hand raised, listen, you're just seeing the byproduct because that champion wasn't made there in the arena for everyone to see. He was made in the wrestling room when no one was watching. In the same way, our prayer life and our spiritual life and God using our generation to restore the kingdom of God in this community, in this country, listen, it won't be built by our ability on our own, trying our best. We'll win on our knees in the morning. We'll win on our knees in the evening. Right? Anything, listen, the spirit of God and the kingdom of God flows from building the strong inner life. That's what Jesus is teaching us here. The right way to pray. And listen, I just want to give you three applications. Take this. I want to encourage you as we pray and fast these next few weeks, as we continue to cultivate strong prayer lives, pray and fast in secret. Listen, when you get alone, man, there's no one to really impress, right? Like if you want to know, man, am I doing this for God? Well, listen, if you get alone in your prayer closet, there ain't nobody else to pat you on the back, brother, right? There ain't nobody to say, what an awesome prayer. Take this with you. Pray and fast for God's approval, not man's approval. Pray and fast for God's approval, not man's approval. I think this is why prayer is such a good temperature gauge for our spiritual lives. Because the only reward of getting alone and praying for God is God's the only one that's going to see you to reward you. He's the only one that's going to be there. That's the only reason why we could go. And then lastly, take this with you. Pray from your heart. Effective prayer is much more a matter of the heart than a matter of the tongue. Just pour your heart out to God. And listen, this is what Jesus is trying to teach us here. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, Christians' prayers are measured by weight and not by length. Many of the most prevailing prayers have been as short as they were strong. So listen, I wanna take this with you. Whether you're kind of new to this, maybe you're wanting to learn about prayer life, right? Or maybe you've been praying or maybe you've been a Christian for a while. I wanna tell you this, especially when you do a lot of public ministry, I have to ask myself this question and I want everyone to take this question with you. Spiritually, does my public appearance exceed my private devotion? Spiritually, does my public appearance exceed my private devotion? Am I trying to portray something outwardly that is just not true inwardly? Remember, you've heard me say it here many, many times. Jesus is much more concerned about what he's doing in you than just what he's gonna do through you. Because once he gets serious about when we hear what he's trying to do in us, man, the overflow of that is gonna be a powerful movement done through us. This is how the kingdom of God works, man. Isn't it awesome that it's not on us? God isn't looking for ability. He's looking for availability, right? Be available to hear from him. And listen, he'll give direction to your steps. He'll put you where he wants you. He'll have you doing what he wants you to do. And man, all along the way, he's gonna give you joy and peace, not because it's found in the circumstances of this world, but joy and peace is found in his presence. And this is what we find in the prayer closet. Ooh, man, I'm telling you. This is, this is if I could go back and man, I, I just feel led to, to share some of my prayer life. Early on in the church when God was moving in an incredible way, I'm telling you, man, there were, there were some times where before I would get to work early in the morning, man, I would just be in the, the posture of prayer. And y'all, it was hard to leave because his presence was good. And man, he was just, he was just loving me. And, and, and man, I was, I was walking out of 
just uh, the, the fullness of God and not trying to go stir something up spiritually because I wanted to plant a church. It was God's heart flowing in and through me. And I'll, I'll never forget, I remember the Holy Spirit saying that day, he says, Buck, if things go south, it'll be because you got away from this. If things go south, it's gonna be because you got away from this. Because at the end of the day, man, whether you take care of 10,000 orphans or, man, you just faithfully love and serve your community, your spouse and kids, whatever that may be, man, at the end of the day, it's not what you do for God that he wants. Man, he wants your heart. He loves you. And, man, that's, that's where it's happening, man, is in the inner life. And so we see the right way to pray. Uh, I also want to show you in verse 9 the right model for prayer and fasting. The right model for prayer and fasting. Now, I, I'm one of those. I'm just a, a sports guy. But, man, I, I need a game plan. Can anybody just reel with me on that? Like, I need a plan. I need an approach. I need a model. Right? Like, like what, I, what, what I don't like is just this arbitrary, like, hey, you should go pray. Or you should go do this. But I remember trying that as a kid, and I was like, I don't know if I'm doing good or not. Anybody with me? God, I'm, they say to talk to you, and I don't, hey, like, what do I do, right? Man, isn't it awesome that, that the disciples felt the same way? They heard Jesus praying, and right here, they're like, Jesus, like, show, you got to give us a game plan. You got you to give us a model here. And so this is what he says, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I want to stop right there and I want to teach through the Lord's Prayer right here. This begins with a posture of reverence and privilege. All right, I want you to hear this. Reverence and privilege. When he says our Father, okay, this is talking about God, okay? Now God being a Father, now listen, this is not universal. You understand that? Like, we have a God in heaven who created the sun, the moon, the stars, everything you see. The one that gives breath to our lungs right now as we sit in these seats. The one who is holding the world in his hands. He is almighty God. And whether people recognize that or don't, it doesn't change the fact of who he is, right? This God is holy. He's right. He's good. He, he knows all things. And, and he is uh, loving and all these sorts of things. But listen, we only have the privilege of calling him Father if we know Jesus. What a privilege that we can call this God Dad. So don't stop when you get ready and before you get ready to go wrestle or play baseball. I mean, I've said the Lord's Prayer a zillion times, but many times I haven't stopped to think, what a privilege to call him Dad. What a privilege. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The hallowing of his name is to, to give him glory. That's, that's this idea of holiness, God's holiness. And so we take the holiness of God, the reverence of just who God is, that he is the supreme authority in the earth. He is our creator. And all those things I talked about, let's not forget of just who it is we begin to talk to. Because when we begin to see who he is, it pushes us in the humility, the posture of humility, doesn't it? It begins to humble us in prayer. And then we begin to sense his love as we are talking to a father. Verse 10, it says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Two things to take with you. It's a surrendering of my will, a desiring thy will. Take that with you. 
a surrendering my will, a desiring that will. This is the great trade that we wake up to when we come into the place of prayer. It is laying my will down, and it is not even just accepting, but desiring thy will. Listen, when we're in the right place, when we come to the posture of prayer, God's kingdom agenda takes the forefront of our minds. It's what God's agenda. God, what are you doing? I wanna be a part of it. Now listen, this is it, man. This, this kind of just really, really dumps on the genie in the bottle God, right? It really does. Like, God, I'm coming to you because I need. You see why Jesus gave us this model is he wants us postured well so we could pray well, right? And so he wants us to see God for who he is, be thankful for what he's done. And now we want to lay down our will and God, I want to, to be a part of your will. And as we continue to surrender our will, we align our wives, lives to his will. And we want to see what he's doing in the earth. We want to be a part of it. Look at verse 11. It says, give us today our daily bread. Take this with you. That's daily provision. That's not some super spiritual. That's like, brother, you need shelter, you need food, you need clothes, right? He's saying, Jesus, we, we're coming to you. Would you provide us with daily bread? That's sustenance, provision. Now, something I've, I've had to learn and am learning through this, okay, uh, is that this means that we are to go to God with what we need. And that's the focal point. Does God care about the details of your life? Every single one of them. Man, he, he loves you. Man, he, he, he loves you so much that he would send his son to die for us. And so don't be afraid to just bring day-to-day life to God. But listen, when we come to this posture, prayer is primarily for what we need. Listen, I think D.A. Carson said it really well. Prayer is for our needs and not for our greeds. Prayer is for our needs, not for our greeds. And we primarily come to God for sustenance, for what we need. And listen, if we got to the place where we were thankful for his provision, maybe we could finally be thankful for his blessing, right? Because many times when we don't get the desire, the, the things past the provision, we're really angry with God. But listen, when we can get to the place to be thankful that he sustains us day by day, by day we can be in the posture to receive the many blessings he has. That's important, man. You know, Jesus gives us some, or God gives us some, uh, some background for this. You know, in the Old Testament, uh, when the Israelites were out in the desert, them, them rascals were about to starve. They're out there, ain't, ain't a water, ain't a food. And so God provided manna from heaven. Literally, these wafers, they sound pretty good, like honey or something. They sound awesome. But anyway, uh, they, they provide manna, like growing up on the ground. They wake up, there's dew on the ground, there's bread. And so just like I would be, all right, they, they look and they're like, man, this is awesome. We're about to store this stuff up. So they eat and they begin to store it up, store it up. But listen, each day when they woke up the next morning, the manna they stored up was bad. It went bad. God's trying to teach us something here, okay? That we walk with him day by day. The Bible tells us that we, we shouldn't talk about what we're gonna do tomorrow because tomorrow hadn't come yet. Man, I'm telling you, I'm preaching, preaching right here to this heart, okay? We need to live in the moment today. And I know I need God today. I need him today. This is what he's trying to teach us here. It's provision. And then everyone lean in. And Can I just say, like, I, I don't say this all the time, but uh, I really sense God wanting, wanting us to hear this. That he's, he's trying to show us something here. And forgiveness and bondage, really the rest of the Lord's Prayer, I feel like today for someone or some of us, this is for today. Verse 12, it says, and forgive our debts. 
Other versions say trespasses. Think about sins as we have forgiven our debtors. Listen, this is literally just talking about we need to be praying for forgiveness. Not only for our own, but we also pray in forgiveness for our own mess ups. But Jesus says what we are receiving from God in our own rebellion and sin against him, we need to be reciprocating to those in our lives that have hurt us. This, this is a part of the Lord's prayer. And man, I'm telling you, a lot of times when we walk into the bondage of unforgiveness, we're so angry at the offended party that it's robbing us of the freedom and joy that God desires to give us. And we think we're hurting them, but it's destroying us. And therefore, our prayer lives get stopped up because we've got unforgiveness in our heart. And it's a lie from Satan. Bondage, he keeps us in. Because he don't want to see you flourish. He don't want to see you. You know, I was talking about those, those mornings, those good times with God. Man, he don't want to see that. Anything he can do to distract, deflect, or hurt, he'll do it to keep you from the fullness of God. He just will. And so I want you to know, man, repentance and forgiveness is a part of our daily prayer. But what we do, what we are forgiven by God, we need to distribute to those that have hurt us. And then lastly, verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What I see here is a prayer of deliverance. And a lot of times I say that in that we need to pray for deliverance because a lot of times we pray like we don't have a real enemy. We pray like we don't really need to be delivered from an enemy who the Bible tells us, John 10, 10, he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, and he don't need naps, right? That's, that's a reality. And so we begin to see Jesus gives us the right model for prayer. So I, I wanna kind of recap as we get ready to move in, Okay. Jesus tells us how to pray, the right way to pray. We need to build the inner life. We need to do it in secret, not to impress others. He gives us the model for prayer. And now I want you to see the right message in the Lord's prayer. The right message to see in the Lord's prayer. And that is the gospel. Take this with you. I think what God showed me this week the most is how much we see the gospel in the Lord's Prayer. And what gospel means is it is the good news of Jesus, is that we can come and, and, and be strong in prayer, and we can pray this model only by and through what God has done in Jesus on the cross. Let me show you what I mean right here, okay? Look with me in verse number nine. This is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. In Christ, God becomes our Father, Right? Through what he did on the cross, we have a father. The Bible tells us that um, no one can come to the father except through me. Those were Jesus' words. And so we see that in Christ, we receive a father. Look with me in verse number 10. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Christ fulfilled God's will perfectly. What was God's will? Right? How do you fulfill God's will? What was God's will for Jesus? God's will for Jesus is to go and hang up on the cross to die for the sins of the world. And Jesus did it. When we pray for, Lord, your will be done, I want you to be really serious about what God's will was. God's will was to pour out judgment on his son so that all that would trust in him would be saved. We see the gospel in the prayer. Listen in verse 11. Uh, give us today our daily bread. Christ sustains our life. 
Not only will he give us physical bread, but listen to me. When we come to faith in Christ, John tells us that he is the bread of life. And when we say that Jesus is the bread of life, we're talking about those that come and dine with him will feast for all eternity. He doesn't just sustain us today, but in Christ, we're sustained in heaven for all eternity. And we see that Jesus is the bread of life. And then listen, I want to hit on forgiveness again. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Going down to verse 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And what do we see Christ doing here? Maybe some today, you struggle with that. And that's, and that's okay. We all do, I do. But man, when we need the source of walking in freedom and to be alleviated of the bondage of guilt, shame, unforgiveness, all the things the, the, that darkness and, and the enemy wants to keep us bound in, if you're, you're kind of struggling with unforgiveness, listen, you need to look right at the cross and what we always ask ourselves, what has God done to forgive me in my life? Man, when we have a hard time, a lot of times we, we're so, and we're just so drawn to be frustrated by what was taken from us and that we don't look to the cross to see what was given us in Jesus. And in this, we find the source of our, our forgiveness. This is what we find in the gospel. This is how we have the will to forgive. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's not a process, but I am saying it's the key to freedom. It's the key to freedom in your life. In verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Listen, we're gonna fight the enemy from here until kingdom come, but I want you to know for all eternity, we rest secure in Christ. Jesus has delivered us from evil and death because when he came walking out of that grave, when he up on the cross and he came out of that grave, he defeated and delivered us from death and evil for all eternity. He's already done it. He's made the bridge to your seat to take you out, to deliver you out of a world of bondage and sin and into the kingdom of God. That's what he did when he walked up on that hill, when he walked down that hill, when he, when he went into uh, the tomb and he came walking out. He said, forever, I have delivered you. And man, we may battle, but the war's been won. This is what we have in the gospel. This is what we see in the Lord's prayer. So I wanna bring you in today and I want you to take this with you. What do we learn? Man, build a strong prayer life and it doesn't happen, beyond, it doesn't happen in front of man, it happens in secret. Let him build you up in Christ. Pray in secret. As we fast, fast in secret. Fast to God, fast for God's reward. What do we see? We see that God gives us the right prayer model. If you don't know where to start, man, we just got a, a good model for what to pray for. Now, I wanna take this with you, okay? All these things that I just shared in the gospel, they're yours only through faith in Christ, and so if you don't have a relationship with Christ, he's already delivered you from death. What's left to be done is to acknowledge your sin, repent of your sin, say yes to Jesus, and his victory is now your victory. That's, that's what needs to be done today. If you've never done that, if you've kind of played church, kind of danced around God, man, listen, that's what we exist to do. We exist to preach the gospel and see people respond. You don't have to be ashamed. Half the people in here got saved at this church, right? There's no judgment here. And so I want you to know that's your first step. Now listen, this is, I want you to take this uh, with you, okay? If you know Christ, 
okay? I want you to do your praying in secret. I want you to do it in the prayer closet. But if you know the gospel, if you've received the gospel, if you know Jesus is Lord, don't let the gospel be the best kept secret in your life. Take that with you. If you know Jesus, don't let the gospel be the best kept secret in your life. If you know Jesus, man, we, we begin to demonstrate it and declare it in your life. Because see, as the gospel comes to us and we receive Jesus by faith, just like in everything else we talk about, it's the sign to throw, flow through us into the world. That's what God saved us for, so that we would share the good news with others. Amen? So as I get ready to close, uh, whatever God's put on your heart today, if some, you'd say, man, Bucks, today's the day. I'm ready to come to faith in Jesus. I realize I do not have a relationship with him. Man, I I encourage you to do that. Anyone else, man, you can find all of our next steps on your card or see us at the next steps table. Don't leave without taking your next step toward Christ, whatever that may be. And then lastly, uh, I've had it confirmed since I got here this morning, just some things God put on my heart. Uh, He woke me up in the middle of the night and went to praying. If there's somebody in here that's in bondage, I mean real bondage, real darkness, I want you to know if that's you today, and I don't know who you are, maybe it's multiple people, just know, man, God loves you. And this darkness has twisted. The enemy has come in, and he's told you a lie, that you're supposed to stay in the very thing you're struggling with today. And then what he's telling you is that there's no way out, There's no way for for God to come in and rescue that this deliverance I'm talking about is for someone else. God could never meet me where I am. And maybe for some, it's just some sort of lie. And I I don't know exactly who I'm talking to, but it it became very clear that someone, man, you need deliverance today. and, And I want you to know, don't wait. God has the power to meet you in that space and free you from the bondage you came in here with today. We have a church that's fasting and praying and in seasons of fasting and prayer, I've seen this many times, God shows up in powerful ways. Maybe it's something you've struggled with for a long time, an addiction, something like that. I want you to know, and I'm gonna ask you during this last song, if, if, if I'm speaking to you or something in your life, I'm here, a couple of our pastors are in the room, I, I just wanna pray for you. Because I'm telling you, man, this, this same, this same, and this message I shared, it's not just some far off like, like message. No, it's for you. God loves you and he can heal you. He can, he can deliver you from the bondage you've been in. And so if that's you today, I'm gonna encourage you when during this last song to move. And right now we're gonna pray to close the service down and get ready to worship. Let's pray. God, we love you. Lord, I thank you for your word, your truth. God, as I feel like I've said what you wanted to say, God, I pray that we as the people of God would do what you're calling us to do. And so first of all, God, if there's someone here who doesn't know you, maybe you've been in here, you've been wrestling the whole message. God's already been working on your heart. You'd say, but man, today is the day. I'm not playing games with God anymore. I'm I'm not dancing around the truth, but I need a relationship with Jesus. And today I want to be saved. If that's you today, I'm just gonna ask, would you lift your hand? Is that anyone in the house today that would say yes to Jesus for the first time? I'll give you guys just a moment. Amen. 
Lord, as we continue to pray, God, I just pray for those in the room that may be hurting. God, for those that, that you're stirring their heart to move towards something. God, those that are being stirred that, that need prayer, God, I pray you give them the boldness to move and to pray. And God, as only you can, I pray you come and be with us, God. Dwell with us. God, do your healing work in this place. God, bring deliverance, bring forgiveness. God, give the, the courage for people to forgive. God, give us freedom, give us hope, give us joy. And God, as we continue today, God, as we continue uh, to minister in song and in prayer, God, I just pray, Holy Spirit, you'd be here with us as we seek your face, God. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.